uh, this is going to begin the recording here right now. And I'm going to introduce myself and the panelists, if I can find the right screen here. So I think this is it right here. So I'll start um, at the bottom there. I'm the moderator, and uh, I don't have an um, MD. I have an MDiv in Theology and Missions. My spiritual gift is administration and organization. And I love to help seek people go into missions, healthcare missions, any kind of missions. And um, I put my wife through nursing school. She's a nursing educator. Uh, I work with, I've been working for 17 years with the Innes Image Family Medicine Program. My wife and I lived for a short season in China and then a little longer season in France. And uh, so that's uh, uh, just a couple of sentences about myself. And so let's uh, start with, oh, by the way, we have assigned seats. Sorry about that, Eric. You get to sit over here. So, um, so we'll start with, uh, actually, let's pass the mic down to Carolyn. And so, Carolyn, if you can give us a couple of sentences uh, about your sister. Uh, hi, my name is Carolyn Adolph, and I'm a family nurse practitioner. I've been working in Ethiopia, not as a family nurse practitioner the whole time. I was a nurse uh, for many years as well. Uh, worked for uh, about 20 of the 22 years that I've been in Ethiopia in a small nurse-run clinic in the rural areas, and now I'm working at a hospital, uh, Soto Christian Hospital, in the southern part of Ethiopia uh, as a provider. My name is Eric McLaughlin. I'm a family medicine doctor, and uh, my wife is an OBGYN. We moved to Africa in 2009. We spent two years with Samaritan's Purse in Kenya, and then we began the preparations for going with the long-term team uh, to Burundi, where we live now. we are with Surge as our organization, and um, and we've been in our team has been in Burundi now for a little over two years. Good morning. My name is Erin. I'm a registered nurse, and I live in Honduras. Been there for eight years. Um, started out doing mobile clinics all by myself, and three years ago we opened a permanent clinic, and so now I have a Honduran physician that works with me in our clinic. Well, thank you guys for uh, serving and for being here. Let's see. I've got a uh, little picture here. I don't. How many people got to uh, go to the exhibit area, one of the exhibit areas yesterday? Okay. And uh, by the way, how many people have been to the Global Missions Health Conference a previous year? Okay. So a few of you. Bless you. Okay. Uh, I did something. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, maybe a year ago. I got a little picture of people in the exhibit area. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, oh, by the way, on the exhibit area, I don't know if you've noticed, but on the aisles, they have a little diagram of, so you can glance at the agency and decide if you want to be friendly to the person or if you want to keep going. Okay? So uh, the idea is that it shows what the medical specialties and engagement opportunities are. Let's see, where is this uh, picture? Here we go. This is a picture in the exhibit area um, that we were able to capture last year. And the phrase that... Someone once shared with me is overwhelmed by over choice. Can anybody relate to that? Okay. And that's probably why you got up Friday morning at 8 o'clock and came to this session with all the other choices that you could have, could have, uh, could have picked. Um, and let's all, let me also ask, how many of you are, uh, and you can define this however you want, how many of you, like you're here, you're looking for, sh- uh, you're kind of focused on short-term missions as Kind of that's what you're going to be doing, you know, next seasons of your life. And how many are 
you're kind of more focused on, hey, I want to find an agency for a long-term opportunity. So, so let's start with uh, how many of you are focused on short-term? Okay. And how many are focused on, I want to find a, a long-term opportunity? Okay. So we'll try to cover both. And by the way, you know, long-term, it's great to start with a short-term, with a, maybe even the same agency. And so uh, we'll try to cover both, both with, uh, with our group here together. And um, let's see, what, I, what else do I have? Okay, I kind of covered that. And then uh, let's see, let's meet. We can pass the mic here. Uh, so Nancy, if you can give us a couple of sentences introducing yourself, sister. It was okay that Nancy slipped in late because I've known Nancy for uh, 15 years. So I, I had to meet everybody else first. So thank you or others for coming before Nancy. Sorry, we sat in traffic, so that's, that was my problem. Um, I'm Nancy Westbatal. My husband and I are with the Assemblies of God. Uh, we uh, became, uh, we joined them in 92 and have been in Russia and Ukraine uh, since 95. So I'm a family physician. My husband is uh, a full-time teacher. He has his PhD in systematic theology. So, so those are our areas of expertise. I've been doing medicine uh, in Russia and Ukraine these 20 years. Oh, thank you, Nancy. If you could take out the big sheet of paper that you received from Alice when you came in. Thanks, Alice, for uh, passing those out. And this is a really cool sheet, but this is the sheet you're going to give me halfway through the session, okay? So when you hear really neat things from our panelists, write those down on a different piece of paper, okay? Now, if you hear something from them you don't want to ever see again, you can write it on the sheet of paper. But, but this, is, this is what you're going to turn into me uh, about halfway through the session here. And, uh, and I do invite you, uh, by halfway point, if you can number your top three questions for today's panel, one, two, or three, and even more than that, if you can write any specifics next to there, you know, something that's not kind of covered in one of those topics. And uh, my favorite one is going to be the last one that says other, specifically. Okay, so that's what, uh, this is your chance to write some things down. This is actually designed... For the introverts here this morning, or for those of you that are still partially asleep, because this will be, we'll use this in the second, it's football season, right? Okay, we're going to use this in the second half of our session. The first half of the session is for the extroverts and the brave introverts, okay? Because we're going to take questions from you guys sitting down here, right? And then the introverts will look at your questions the second half of the session. And then at the little halftime show, I've got a few things to show in the middle. Yes, sister. I have a question about questions. So if we have like a very specific question about the area in which one of the panelists is working, could we save that for another time? What do you guys think? Hey, can you guys stay around for 15 or 20 minutes afterwards? Okay. They'll, they'll hang here and interview. Uh, and it, there's another session in here at 920. So uh, we finish at 9, maybe about 9.15 if you guys could go out in the hallway and if you have any more time. That would be wonderful. They are also, some of you are maybe at, uh, how many of you are at an exhibit during the conference? Okay, you're at Mission to the World, right, Aaron? Uh, I'm at Soda Christian Hospital. Soda Christian Hospital, so you can see their uh, agencies here. So um, you can see, you could catch them maybe, but the best time would be to catch them after the session because there's a few other people here that are clogging up the hallways, right? Uh, other questions about questions? Okay, this is the exciting part of the session. This is where I sit here and I wait for somebody to raise their hand. Oh, thank you, brother. You saved me. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of agencies 
out there to talk generally about the different types of agencies and what agencies specifically do for you? Um, let's, uh, let me do the first. There's some agencies that only take people on short-term trips, and then there's some resource agencies like, you know, they provide medicines for missions. I think we're focused a lot on agencies that probably do both short-term and, and long-term missions opportunities. And then, so the question is, what do agencies do for you? And so uh, let's have a couple of, uh, couple of you share that. What, is, what can an agency do for you? Or, or what can you do for an agency? <coughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually a missionary with SIM and uh, um, on loan to Soda Christian Hospital. And uh, basically, I see um, mission agencies now probably more so than even in the past. They're interested in, um, you know, getting in touch with uh, you early on, even uh, during your training period, and just walking, basically walking life with you, helping you with some of the big decisions that can in, that will impact your life. If there are things that they, let's say, you, you come and, I know SIM has just a kind of a short-term, uh, almost like a pre-orientation time where they um, say, hey, what are you interested in? This is what we have to offer. How can we help you get to where you want to be, you might say. And um, I see that as uh, being very helpful in just the process of uh, heading to the field long-term, whether it ends up with that particular agency or even another one. They're actually very interested in, in just helping you get where you need to, where, where you can be most effective for Christ. Let me, and some, while you get ready to answer more about that, let me mention, this is different than, you know, like, somebody trying to get you to switch, switch your cell plan. You know, you don't really have to be scared about talking yeah, right. to these people. Right. And, 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 and often, uh, some agencies, it's like half the people they get to know during training or short-term trips end up going with another agency, and they're okay with that. It's like we need the military. We, it's like the joint armed forces recruiter, okay? So don't be scared about talking to an agency and think they're going to reel you in and hold on to you. Okay, that, that's one. And, and they're the ones that know so much. And, so, you know, we don't have like an a independent insurance agent for, uh, you know, for mission agencies. So, so take the risk and get to know someone. So I think on the question of what does a mission agency do for you, uh, people have different expectations, uh, and there's a range of what mission agencies do or do not provide. And so, uh, in my mind, one kind of useful spectrum for thinking about different agencies, has, there's the spectrum where on one side you have uh, the agency whose primary focus is I want, uh, I want to enable you to get out there and do what you feel that God has called you to do. So that's on one side. And then on the other side you have uh, we as an agency feel that God has called us to do something. And if you would like to join us, then we can find a place for you to help be a part of the mission that we have. And, so, and, and this is a spectrum. And I would say my agency's surge is kind of somewhere in the middle, actually. And, and you know, most everyone could kind of plot themselves somewhere in there. And what the agency does for you is going to be very different depending on where you are on that spectrum. And people may, depending on what they're wanting to be a part of, uh, they may be looking for an agency to provide different things. So... Uh, key things that I would encourage people to look for when it comes to, to, to long-term longevity, uh, because I think uh, this is not necessarily the same spectrum, but another spectrum is, you know, on the far end you have the agency, which is really just kind of a place for people to send tax-deductible donations that will then get passed on to you. 
And that's not necessarily always the same thing as the person who just wants to enable you to get to the place where God is calling you to be. But uh, on that kind of hands-off side of things, there may be not the support that you're kind of wishing was there. So uh, missionary care or member care support. So when things go bad and when crisis comes, which if you're interested in being a long-term missionary is a contingency that you should plan on happening. And because uh, it, it happens to everyone that I've ever met um, sooner or later. And so planning to be in a, with an organization that has things in place to support you during that time I think is really useful. Talking to an agency about what do you have in place for that? Can you give me some examples without divulging too much of when that's happened to other people in your mission agency? How it was dealt with? Are they still in the field? What's happened to them? Et cetera. Is a question that you can ask. Uh, I also think that... Um, Pre-field orientation is another big one, so they can guide you and prepare you in various ways. Uh, another big one, potentially for some organizations, is kind of logistical support. So how are you going to get medical insurance? Um, and then also, depending on the agency, yeah, retirement and things about uh, when you're in country. I met a girl one time who, after we had been in Kenya for two years, she was going to Kenya and I asked her about it. And, uh, I was like, so who's going to be like getting your visas to like live there? And she was like, I wanted to ask you about that. How do I do that? And I thought, this is not like a, I can't, I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> like I was there for a couple of years and it's very complicated. So understanding that each of those things requires support and uh, figuring it out on your own is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, and so looking to an agency to help kind of serve in that capacity. And so someone that's already established in a country is a big boon. Uh, Surge was willing to send our team to Burundi when they were not currently in Burundi, so we were the first people that they sent there. But we had other strong in-country partners uh, that have helped us do some of those logistics. And outside of the country, Surge has helped with all those other kind of things that I was mentioning. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Okay. Okay, another question. Yes, brother? What's the biggest challenge to sustaining long-term admissions? <laughs> Pretty much any missions book you ever read, there's always a chapter on why missionaries leave the field. Mm-hmm. And truly, it's not typically ministry nationals, it's usually as the missionaries. And that pretty much has been our experience as well. Um, <clears throat> and that's unfortunately the harsh reality, I think, because you're kind of in a bubble. You know, People ask me, well, who's your best friend? And I'm like, well, my best friend's in California, who I've known for 15 years. Oh, it's not so-and-so on your team? And I said, well, why would it be? We're in very different stations in life. We're very different people. So you kind of get along with other people because you're all working for the same goal. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're all going to get along. And so, I, I mean, there's obviously health-related issues. There's political issues. In Honduras, we've had a political coup. It's the murder capital of the world. I mean, there's lots of other reasons that you could leave the field. But unfortunately, I think the reality is is that other missionaries. And so I think one of the biggest things that we always do is we emphasize biblical reconciliation. And every quarter, our team goes through an entire process of biblical reconciliation just to make sure that we're doing things the right way. Interesting. Um, In the past... 10, 15 years, uh, we've had some fallout because of finances. 
So when the United States has its economic turns up and down, um, that has been a challenge. So one of the reasons people leave the field is because they don't have enough finances. They didn't raise enough. They, um, and so there's that fine balance between going out on faith and, of course, all of our pledges because we're, um, we raise our own support, our faith pledges. Uh, so, so our faith is important and, and the reality of what comes in is important. Uh, so having a good financial uh, base is, is vital to missions. And um, you were talking about various things that agencies do for you. One of the things that is important in an agency is helping you to find that kind of financial base. Uh, we're with a major denomination, the Assemblies of God. And so uh, we, when we became missionaries, had access to all their church base. Uh, when you look at who supports you, it boils down to basically you know, two different things, personal giving and church giving. Um, yeah. And, and so some people, so I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but basically having good financial base is really important. Let me do a little follow-up and you can get ready to include a response to mine. But so are all agencies created equal? Yeah, maybe not. There's there's different yeah, styles. I mean, how many different personality gifts are there? Seven billion, something like that. Um, so agencies have different cultures. Let's maybe talk a little bit about some of the spectrum of of uh, you know how agencies handle uh, how, how we as potential short term and long term missionaries. Some of the differences maybe between agencies on finances or you know. Does everybody do it exactly the same, or there's some small differences or big differences? Um, just one thing back to the question that uh, you had. Uh, I think it's important. Um, I know uh, in my own situation, uh, the situation that I was in, it was very overwhelming, and you can uh, work yourself basically to death. And uh, I think it's very important to uh, not overdo the downtime but to get away from your, from your situation and uh, get a different perspective. In my case, I, I've worked in Ethiopia uh, over 22 years, and I found that even getting out of the country in Ethiopia, either to another African country, but even to Europe or home, if you tend to, depending on your agency's uh, um, you know, ability or you know, saying what you can or can't do in the sense of getting away, I think it's very important uh, to take those times of uh, refreshment. Otherwise, you don't make it long-term. When it comes to the financial uh, aspect of things, uh, yeah, different agencies do it differently. Um, As she mentioned, Assemblies of God, they have a little bit of a a background church base. I think it's really, really important, um, especially uh, those of you that are students, but also those that are actually in job. Basically, get involved with your church. Get involved in um, what's going on there. Be a big part of it. Develop friendship. Because it's those people that you develop friendship with that will live life with you. Go through the ups and the downs on the field. Uh, say, hey, we're behind you. You know, go, keep going. And they will not, they might not all, all be financial based people, but they'll, they'll get you through some of the difficult times that may arise. Um, and it's, it's very important to have the, the, the church base, but also individual base. Um, I know some organizations have a, a large pool of finance that they tend to divvy out. 
Um, a lot of organizations now, though, are basically you have to raise a, um, your own support. So to have, as some put, people put it, uh, you know, friend, friend, friendship raising. You're basically raising support through friendship. And so you, you need to not be looking for, um, you know, what people can quote-unquote give you, but what you can give them. Get involved with their life their ups and downs, their their joys and their sorrows. And that will make a difference in your life as well. Uh, it goes both ways. By the way, um, compliments to the west side for filling up. You talked about ups and downs. Could I invite anybody on the east side that's willing to to stand up and if you could move towards the center and we can let some other people sit down. So if you're willing to kind of scoot in on the east side here. West side, you did well. Okay. I did a lot, but you can go from east to west, too. We're okay with that. So, so uh, thank you for giving a little more room for people so those in the back don't want to stand. And, and of course, just like church, there's a few seats up, up front as well. So, yes, Eric. Uh, I think another... Another thing that looms large when looking at agencies is whether or not you would be raising your own support or whether or not they would would send you. Um, and you've done it both ways, right, Eric? Kind so, of your first two years, yeah, when right? I was Samaritan's, so I was in the post-residency program at Samaritan's Purse, which would send you for a discrete period of time and provides almost all your funding. And the, the rest of the support is kind of like the portion that comes with ease. Um, and then after that, that stopped as we transitioned into long-term work and we had to raise the rest of our support. So here's here's what I would say that may strike some people as kind of counterintuitive, which is uh, it's easy on the front end to envy the people who don't have to do, uh, don't have to raise their own support, that they kind of just join with the board or an organization that will then send them. Uh, on the other side of that, I would not trade that uh, for the situation that I'm in. Uh, that's not to say that the experience of raising support isn't very difficult for people um, and that it's weird and awkward sometimes and, um, and for some people it's longer than they wanted. One, that process, uh, almost every missionary that I know would say that that process was intensely valuable in terms of uh, the formation of Christ inside them and learning to depend on Christ and lots of other lessons that are important for our own discipleship uh, and also the discipleship, particularly as it pertains to us going out into the world. Um, secondarily, I have around me now this big network of people that love me and pray for me and keep up with me and support me, uh, and it is wonderful, and it is a great blessing to us and to our family, and they are the people that are that are sending me. Uh, I like that, and I would not I would not trade it uh, for an organization. Uh, you know, I don't want to like. I don't want to speak down on the organizations, but I think that the, the appeal of organizations that will fund you and send you out is always going to be there. <laughs> and so I don't feel a need to necessarily speak up for that. On the flip side, uh, raising your own support, though kind of a little bit of a crucible, that, or maybe a lot of a crucible, to go through and get to the other side of is something that on this side of it, I really am glad that I'm, I'm sent in that, in that way. Um, I, I get the feeling this is a demographic change. I don't know. But having talked to older missionaries than myself. My family has two supporting churches, and most people on our team have between, like, two and four. Uh, whereas, yeah. We've got so, 200, too. Right, and so this is a shift that's going on. And my, my understanding is that, for the most part, churches are making that shift as well as missionaries, and so that the expectation for most people that, you know, you're going to have 40 supporting churches is 
is probably less likely to actually come to fruition, and it's going to be mostly done by an individual basis. So, uh, but you can talk to agencies about that and what do their missionaries normally do, and what the expectation is for interacting with churches versus individuals. And let me give a little PS, and I'll take your question, sister. Um, almost all the long-term agencies here have you raised prayer and personal financial support. There's maybe a few denominations here that you know have a salary, but the good news is 98% of them are in that category that Eric recommends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, so be encouraged, a uh, sister. I just realized, I'm just hearing Eric that you had the experience of going with one organization, which you you didn't have to raise support, and then you transitioned to another organization where you did raise support. Um, do you feel like you'd recommend that kind of thing, or kind of like just getting on the field with the organization, getting some experience, and then coming back and saying, I want to continue to do this, would you fund me kind of thing? So, um, our first two years with the post-residency program at Samaritan's Purse was somewhat unique in that it was designed to be uh, a transitional period. Um, that then, led, I mean, you know, you will not stay with SP long-term doing, that. they don't do that. And so, uh, the expectation is that you would go somewhere else. So, that transition wasn't weird from the standpoint that it was unexpected or anything like that. Uh, and I think if it's done for that situation in particular, I think if it's done right, it can be a momentum building time where people are kind of like latching on to what's going on with you so that when it comes time <coughs> to support, it's, to raise support and everything, it's, it's much less of a, I've forgotten about you in the past two years, where have you been, and more of a, you know, I'm excited and I've had building excitement and I, and I see the experience that you've already had and kind of like, you know, building momentum in that way instead. Um, I'm not quite sure this is what you're getting at, but I will say that I don't think that, in general, signing up with an organization with the idea... Switching organizations seems to be very hard. Um, and I don't know if anyone else has, has done that. It wasn't very hard in our situation because that's not really what we were doing. But, for example, because we're talking about choosing an agency, um, I think one one way to go about it is to say, I feel like God... Where has God told me to be in the world? Okay, discernment process. I think it's here. Where could I work here? With what agency? Go around and look for an agency. Kind of like that. Uh, that's one way to do it. Um, I would say I know a lot of people that felt called to go to a certain place and something happened and they moved to go somewhere else and it's their agency that they're kind of married to in a lot of ways. And so the importance of the agency being that it may be that your relationship with the agency outlasts your relationship with a particular geographic location. And I don't think that's how a lot of people think about it, but I think that that is important. There's a lot of people I know that have been with one agency in multiple places. You were talking about... I've been, I've been in one, well, two locations in one country. Okay. Um, but there are a lot of people in that in that camp, and I think the that underscores the importance of finding a place that you really feel like, you know, you can yeah. be in this in the long haul for, and not having the intention of, well, if it doesn't, like, work out here with this agency, then I'll, you know, I like that agency over there, too. On the front end, it's like the armed services recruitment. <laughs> uh, we're all kind of in this together, but it's just a big investment. Not that there's any animosity about it or anything like that. That's not the case, but it's just a it's a really on, on both sides process. because you spend a lot of time getting to know the agency as well and going through their yeah, hoops, right? And and for the agency in investing in you and everything, and so wanting to be, I think it's worth the time and the effort long term to be with someone that you feel like you could serve in multiple locations with, maybe even looking at that one. Just one, just one real quick uh, uh, mention, similar to what you're talking about. 
you know, some people say, oh, I, I don't like this agency. They've hurt me. They've uh, not dealt with me well. Um, so I'm going to go to another agency. Uh, may I just advise you, work with your agency because people are people and you're going to run into probably similar stuff in another agency, more likely than not. Let me, let me uh, we're going to do this little halftime thing that I mentioned earlier, and then we'll get back to some other questions. Uh, I want to ask if you could put in your hand the three pieces of paper that you got when you arrived. And as you're doing that, I want to mention to you a, a resource here. There's a website called askamissionary.com. Uh, that's pretty hard to remember, right? Okay, askamissionary.com. And over 15 years, I've collected questions from North Americans aspiring to long-term missions and then answers from missionaries around the world. And so there's over uh, 100 questions, 400 answers on all these different topics here. Uh, how to select a mission agency, what about funding, what about guidance, how do I use my professional skill, training, singles and families. And so that's a resource for you uh, to take home. Okay, askmissionary.com. And then if you could take the uh, little sheet that has the blue box on it that says medicalmissionsmentoring.com. I really like websites, by the way. This is another resource for you if you would like to be have a long-distance coach to share some of your question and answers. And Nancy's done this for us, and I can't remember if uh, some of Aaron has too. Uh, and so what you do is you go on to medical, you go to the website, medicalmissionsmentoring.com, and it's actually part of medicalmissions.com. You update your profile, tell about your interest and experience, you uh, click on that, and then I get your information, it goes to me, and I get their information from different mentors, and I pray, and I try to do a match. And the idea is that uh, for a few months, you connect by phone, Skype, or email with your questions and answers. So that's medicalmissionsmentoring.com. Okay. Uh, so that's one resource for you. Um, oh, I skipped over the, the website, by the way. There's also a book that goes with it, Ask a Missionary. Okay, and this is at the CMDA book table downstairs if you're interested in the book. Um, the book has a few things the website doesn't and vice versa as well. Let's see, uh, did you get the little half sheet, just black and white? So we do want to invite you to fill out your session evaluation. You can leave that with Alice on your way out or put that on the chair or turn that in any time during the conference here. So session evaluation. And then the final thing is that the big sheet of paper, right? Okay, and so... Um, the bottom half of that page tells you about some free email newsletters. And so if you want to sign up for one of those email newsletters, um, you can check that. And then if you've checked any of those, you can either write your name and email or put your little sticker on the bottom. You guys with me? And then those of you that got here early may have filled out the top half already, which is great. But in either case, I want to ask, and if just the next couple of minutes, if you could pass those to the center aisle... And uh, Jess and Caitlin are going to collect those. Maybe pass them in the center aisle and then pass them up front. Jess and Caitlin are going to sort them out for me. And so I'm going to use some of those in the second half of our session uh, to pick out some questions from the introverts. Okay. Okay. So we'll go. Okay. We're ready. For, we're starting now the second half. But the first few plays of the second half will still be for the extroverts as I'm getting the answer. So, so uh, we got a, a pointing. Okay, you get, okay that's kind of cool. Your neighbor points to you and you raise your hand. So we'll do the two of you and then we'll do you, brother. Yes. 
I was just wondering, because I'm a missionary kid, and so I've experienced being in the field of my life and coming back to the States for furloughs. What do the different, and I just know where to apply, so I don't know the other agencies super well. What are the differences of um, your term in the field, when you need to come back, a little bit of how long that term coming back is, and how much before you get, because I know witnessing as a kid, like coming to the States sometimes was more frustrating. I just wanted to go back home to Brazil. And coming to the States also was like super busy. We traveled all over the places. We had several churches. So it was almost a different stressor to my parents of coming back. And many times there wasn't, sometimes there was a good refreshing time, but sometimes there wasn't. So how well you come back and actually rest to go back out to the field? And how do your different agencies help you? Okay. Aaron. The way our agency works is you're on the field for four years and you're off for a year. Now, that can vary. Some people are on the field for two years, they go home for six months, they come back, they do another two years. So it's, it's kind of individualized as well. But their encouragement is, is minimally, if you're long-term, every four years to come back. And as a missionary kid, I have a, my, my daughter likes to say she's not a missionary kid, she's a kid missionary. But she's now in university. But yeah, she would call Honduras her home as well. And yes, furlough. There's a lot to say about furlough, and having experienced it, you understand that. Again, agencies are very different. One of the very first things that our agency requires us to do is kind of a welcome back kind of thing. It's a week and a half of refreshment. You go to a retreat center in the mountains. They have a lot of breakout sessions that you can go to or not go to. And I'll be honest, half of them we didn't go to. We slept in late. We ate a whole lot of food. And then some of them that we did go to, and we, there was counselors there that really invest in you, that you talk about your time with, you have small group time, um, and they really mentor to you. Um, and then amidst that time, there's summer retreat. There's all sorts of opportunities that our agency gives for to try and attempt a time of refreshment because it's not necessarily that way. Because further you are running all over the place. We have 15 churches, but we're from California. I'm with Mission of the World, which is Presbyterian Church of America. I can tell you that our presbytery is California, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, and Hawaii. Where if you're from the south, a presbytery is like a county. And there's, you know, 15 presbyteries in one state, where we have five states for one presbytery. So that means we have churches literally from Pennsylvania to California. So our furlough time is not a time of refreshment per se, but then you, you have to choose and be very specific about how you choose that time. But our agency does provide some attempts of some kinds of reasons. Carolyn grew up as a missionary kid. Give us a sentence or so. Um, yeah, I, I'm a missionary kid, and uh, I know that, yes, it is a busy time. But I think agencies uh, are becoming much more aware of the need to take the refreshment, um, get the re- retreat times you need, get the counseling you need, um, and I would I would encourage that. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's made a huge difference in my own life and, and I, other people that I know. Um, because one thing that, that happens is uh, if you have issues here in the States, they will become bigger issues out overseas. And then you have bigger problems. Here's a question. How do you do missions while raising a family? Or And maybe along with it, how do agencies... You know, help 
prescriptive are they in terms of your children's education, you know, hauling your kids around the country if you have to visit 200 churches? <coughs> tell, tell me any variations or uh, anything about that. So, Nancy, you have the 200 churches, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we, we had the fun, just a little vignette of um, having churches from Hawaii to uh, Maine. So basically, uh, one of our years we spent in a travel trailer covering the whole country. Um, And I think that's one of the best memories that my kids have. So we we really enjoyed the chance to (coughs) be with our churches and to homeschool. And of course, in the 25 years I've been uh, in missions, resources have just exploded. So the, the things that you can do with children and the things you have for them, I mean, we used to, we had Boingo when Boingo didn't exist, like, uh, you know, it was the very beginning of the internet, and we would go drive to some parking lot where we knew that there was a site we could get on so that our kids could do their online classes. So, so life has gotten a lot easier. So you would drive your kids to school, basically. We would, basically, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, So, as far as on the field, um, I think that... Uh, it's really important to involve your kids with uh, what you do, uh, and we were able to do that in a lot of ways. As far as let, agencies, yeah. Let, let me keep interrupting. Sorry about this, guys. Okay, here's a question that I think we can segue here. Uh, what about some agencies give you a lot of autonomy in terms of making mm-hmm. decisions, mm-hmm. and some agencies are maybe more prescriptive in a, a number of different ways, probably maybe just talk about where you go. Like in uh, Serge's case, they weren't in Burundi, but they were willing to send your team to Burundi. So uh, that was, but other groups maybe wouldn't let you go some. I mean, so what, what are some different cultural differences between agencies, and what do you want to be looking for? For a degree of autonomy. So, uh, yeah, there is that spectrum that exists between we want to empower you to do what you feel God has called you to do, and we, we feel like we have calling, and if you'd like to be a part of it, then we can find a place for you. And I think that's important. Um, uh, I'm not sure quite how to answer that question. I think that, um, so just biographically, our team um, found out about an opportunity in Burundi, and there wasn't a ready agency to send us there. There's not a lot of agencies in Burundi. Um, and so we approached Surge about opening up a, a new field there because we felt like in other ways they would be a very good fit for our team from a theological background and based on some interactions that we had had in the past and other people that we had met. And so we uh, we approached them, and it turned out that um, some of their cardinal goals, mainly that they wanted to be doing, uh, they wanted to be growing in kind of uh, mercy ministry, you could say, as well as they wanted to be sending teams, and we were already a team. We had a, It wasn't just my family. There was a bigger team. I thought I was going to be going there together, as well as teams that were close to other teams in the region, and they had other teams in East Africa. And so we worked with them in there, and I would say that that was a good example uh, of there being... We wanted to be a part of a mission that provided an over... that really did send us. Um, This was kind of our particular bent, but where we were at is we wanted to be part of of a kind of a larger mission that was going on. And... Through that process of working with them, we found that um, that we were part of that, and yet we were also in an organization that had enough malleability and flexibility to 
to work with us to send something as long as it fit within the goals of what they're trying to do. And that was encouraging to us to see that there was autonomy, but there was also autonomy within kind of a larger mission that was going on. So that doesn't answer the question, but perhaps it sort of gives you an illustration of, of how that autonomy, um, uh, not rigidity, but kind of like, you know, autonomy versus kind of a larger mission that you'd be a part of, how that dynamic can play out and some things you might look at from that. Here's, here's another question. Um, this is the introvert half of the meeting, mostly. Uh, how, the first question on the list was, how much should agency location or focus be a factor in me joining an agency? In your case, they, they were willing to send you someplace they weren't, but they were already in sub-Saharan Africa, right? Yeah. And so, and then the, uh, along with that also, I don't know of any of uh, us here are working in closed countries where it's hard, you know, if you want to go to a Muslim country in the Middle East, it's not always easy to find which agencies work there because they don't like to publish that for ISIS to find out. So, uh, but, um, so how much should agency location or focus be a factor in picking an agency? Do any of your agencies work in closed countries? How, how do you find out more information about that? Well, one of the things that we, when we first felt a call to go to missions, we didn't know where we were going. So that was where we came from. So we approached our agency and said, these are our skill sets. We want to go somewhere, help us figure that out. So the, we do work in multiple closed countries. We call it enterprise, and they're not associated with – you won't see our agency's name anywhere because of their circumstances. But, um, yeah, we, we had a desire. We eventually went to Honduras, um, and they gave us the flexibility. There was no team there, so we were the first folks on the team, and now – um, we've been there for eight years, and we're moving to Equatorial Guinea, which is in the western half of Africa. It's a tiny little country. They actually speak Spanish. That's really cool. So, <laughs> I know, who knew? Um, anyway, so, yeah, location. I mean, many agencies are very specific on where they want to go. They have a mission in mind. They want the 1040 window. They don't want the 1040 window. They want Latin America only. I mean, so that's another thing. If you have a passion to go somewhere, or if you have a passion in mind of the, the list of things that you want to do and you want to accomplish, then you need to find the best fit for an agency that meets those passions. And there's so many out there, as we said, and go find it. I mean, our passion was, mine was medical mercy ministry, my husband's a pastor, so where can we find most of, both of those things happening? Him doing church planting and me doing medical mercy. So finding an agency that can incorporate both of those things for us was what was important for us. So location, I mean, there's so many options. The world is open. Nancy, try that one. So we've talked a little bit. We've talked a little bit about autonomy, uh, and it really boils down to your own personality because uh, a lot of the agencies today can do almost anything with you if you are independent and you want to forge your own path. So it really, who are you? Are you somebody that likes a team? Do you like somebody to tell you what to do? you want a lot of support? Are you a pioneer? Do you feel like God's blessed you with an apostolic calling? And you're ready to do everything. Uh, and you don't want anybody to tell you what to do. So uh, if you aren't in that category where you're, you're really, you know, you're Paul and you want to do everything on your own, 
And you need to look for a place that fits you where they're already doing some of the things that you like. That doesn't mean that you'll have to stick with that set of skills, you'll have to stick with that kind of ministry, but, but look for some place that fits you uh, and, and see if you can find out what they're already doing. See if you can find out the kinds of patterns they have, the kinds of relationships they have with their missionaries. What, um, you know, what goes on with their families. Uh, and if you like that, uh, we got to talk about doctrine sooner or later because that's so vital. Okay, let's um, talk about doctrine. <laughs> and let's see, were we predestined or free will to be able to talk about that question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so who wants to talk a little bit about doctrine? Uh, probably predestination is not the biggest one. Uh, one thing that some agencies, hey, if you're into praying, speaking in tongues, it's like that's not them at all. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that it's like it's okay, but maybe behind closed doors. And another, it's like it's fine. I mean, what, what are some of the other doctrinal uh, things that are interesting uh, uh, to kind of talk about? Yeah, I'm part of the Frozen Chosen. <laughs> um, we're with the Presbyterian Church of America. Um, and yeah, our, I mean, our, our mission sending agency is very doctrinally based. We are... We are the Presbyterian, we are the, the mission agency for the Presbyterian Church of America. Um, but I want to say what's really cool is when you get on the mission field, like denomination lines are totally blurred because we're all on the same path, we all have the same goal. And honestly, I think that is the coolest thing about being on the mission field. We've worked with Mennonites, we've worked with Amish, we've worked with all sorts of different folks from different paths because we are there on the same goal and the same mission. So I think that's cooler being on the mission field than being in the States because... I mean, Sunday, let's face it, I mean, we're so divided, and we all go to our own little churches, and we're all in our own little world. So I love that about the mission field. Like, you couldn't get, if I'm a Presbyterian over here, and you've got a Mennonite over there, I mean, you couldn't get two different folks, but we're working together. So I think that's kind of cool. One other quickie, I would definitely agree with the fact that on the mission field, a lot of times you, you don't know... I, I don't even know what denomination uh, of a person I'm even working with. But what I do know is what country they're from. So I'll let you know if you make the mistake of calling them a New Zealander and they're an Australian. Or, you know, <laughs> on, on and on it goes. But, um, yeah, I think it, that's um, something that I've enjoyed, too. I mean, obviously, when you get into, um, if you're involved in theological education <coughs> and stuff like that, they, that may become more of an issue. But... Uh, I think some agencies, uh, um, if uh, if you practice, uh, for instance, uh, speaking in tongues or something, if it is something that you're not propagating in that organization, doesn't have a problem with you in the sense of a closed door situation, um, then uh, you know you you would be okay with that, or they would be with, okay with that. So I think that's also yes, something that you would need to discuss with your organization and see what they're good with. Uh, can I just make one comment? Yes. So we're both in interdenominational missions. Um, my, other people can refute me if they want to, but my general impression is that even interdenominational missions generally have a theological feel to them uh, and a background, and whether or not that's historically because of what you know churches that they were birthed out of or tied to. And, and I think that's worth paying attention to. Um, and so that, that does mean that there's room for people from a lot of different churches to come together, but there probably will remain sort of a general feel, and it's good to have some degree of agreement with that and not be at odds with that when you're, when you're going forward. Yeah. Yeah. There are cultures. If you've noticed in North America, there's a variety of different kinds of churches. There, 
there's a variety of different kind of agencies. Here's, here's a question. What's the application process like for an agency? And one of those would be, you know, hey, are we kind of on the same page on doctrine? Or are you wrong and I'm right and I'll go on to somebody else or something like that? But so, so what are some of the other areas in terms of application, uh, uh, process, culture? You play 20 questions. Uh, how, how do you do that? Uh, I imagine it's somewhat independent, but I do think that a lot of mission agencies are going to have people that, like, as long as you can kind of make contact, they will have people that will help you get involved in that. Um, so we have, I have our mobilization guys right there in the back of this lineup. So, but there, and at these booths, you'll find a lot of these same people, and so there are people to help guide you through that. Uh, generally, I think there's probably a series of applications followed by interviews. Uh, one of the for pre-field, during the application process, you know, asking questions about are there Bible school requirements, are there missionary training things. We have a kind of a discipleship program that's part of our uh, pre-field training that I think has been very valuable. Um, and then generally, yeah, you should expect to be able to go in person with someone and spend some time getting to know the organization. I think, I think one thing that's uh, real vital, and I know some organizations require it and others don't, and that is... Uh, getting some cross-cultural uh, orientation. Uh, I know there's a uh, Center for Intercultural Training in Union Mills, North Carolina, and also uh, Missionary Training International or, um, in uh, Colorado. And both give some very good information that is really vital for the field. So that would be in addition to maybe whether your organization does or doesn't require it, I would encourage that type of thing as well, uh, and language acquisition, that kind of type of stuff. And your organization, many of them will um, also encourage you in those directions, obviously. And one thing I'd like to say, too, is um, sometimes when you've gotten with your organization, uh, you've talked with them, you, you've shared with you know some of your desires and your educational background or your um, uh, Bible school background, if you have any, or whether they do or don't need that, require that. If they suggest, oh, I think you should do some kind of an internship or this or that, and it may postpone you going to the field, but don't look at that as a negative. Look at that as a positive and say, you know, God uses every situation that he gets you into for future ministry. Uh, so keep that in mind. And maybe view something like that as this is an agency caring for me. Uh, and the work I'm doing rather than someone that's trying to stop me from doing that. We, we had some people uh, here that said, hey, I'm, I'm, I came to this session to find an agency for short term, okay? Uh, and I didn't, I haven't got to go through all the written, but any of you guys that came just looking for answers for short term, do you have anything specific that you want to sh- uh, shout out for us? Yes, brother? It's, it seems like you're trying to invent a wheel. Has anybody already invented it as far as a GAD or a consulting firm that you can plug in what you're looking for and they can say, oh, here's a list of agencies that will do it. I went through the table clinics last night. There's 52 different agencies that meet what I'm looking for. I don't have time to go 52 different <laughs> Well, I don't know that we have that figured out. Uh, but I've got five minutes afterwards, and I know about half the agencies here. So okay. I'd be glad to talk to you in the hallway, or you okay. can walk with me. I'm going to go over to another session after that. Uh, there is a, if you're interested in short term, there's yet another website that I'm connected with. It's called shorttermmissions.com. 
shorttermissions.com, and they've got a lot of different things that you can check this box, this box, this box, and maybe get down to five instead of 52. And part of the vision of medicalmissions.com is that you can do that as well, but I'm not sure if the filter are set up that well yet. Have you gone to their website? That's what gave you 52? And so, you, and I think if you go back and maybe personalize your criteria more and try to narrow it down. Um, there are very, like, it's pretty broad topics. It's pretty broad topics. Okay, so I'm going to talk to those web guys, see if we can make it more granular. But shorttermissions.com does, I think, uh, let you focus a little bit more. Um, and so the, the last one I want to um, briefly talk about is uh, what about uh, what about my student debt? How many people here have uh, debt from school? Okay. And so... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that it's as much agency varied, but you know, let's have a couple of us just talk about how God helps you get through that. Should I talk about this in science? So no less assume that. Okay, so my wife and I are both doctors, and we both had medical student debt coming out. And uh, seven, eight years ago, um, the, uh, unless you were part of the military or you were going to do four years of public service loan forgiveness or something like that in the rural center, then if you wanted to go relatively soon, then your option was pretty much going with Project MedSend. Uh, and we are grantees of Project MedSend, and it's a wonderful organization, and they're here, and they would love to talk to you if you want to talk to them about that. They have done a great service for lots of people. They are paying off 180 uh, med, like health education loans uh, currently for people that are currently on the field right now. Um, that all changed in 2007 with the uh, start of income-based repayment and income-contingent repayment. I think that that... That's from the federal government, right? Yeah, okay. uh, it's from the federal government, and that's combined with the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, which says that if you make 120 months of qualifying payments on qualifying loans, working for a 501c3, which is definitely a mission agency, and for most of us it's like you know a lot of hospitals even that you would work for in the U.S. or in that category then they would forgive the remainder of your debt. So the first year that that will be eligible to take place is in 2017. Um, that's really great and has really redefined what MedSend is doing because it, it really has shifted all the pieces on the table around. But um, And I don't – there's always the chance that that government program is going to change again and disappear, um, so you got to consider that as well. But I would say that that creates an opportunity for – for people to go, because if you're a missionary, the good news is your income-based repayment is almost always zero. Uh, because yes, it's based on your income, which is well. income. And in fact, it's based on your adjusted gross income. And so you don't have that. Um, and so that's pretty easy. But I, I would say that if you're planning on banking on that, you need to do some research. Uh, you need to make sure that the loans that you have are the right type of loans. And if not, get them moved over to the right type of loans, which is usually possible. Don't assume. Ask someone. Ask at your lender. And then um, look into now what enrollment in the public service loan forgiveness program would look like, uh, because uh, you can save. Your, it, it won't. If you're in the wrong category, you can't start counting your 120 months until you get in the right category uh, for all of those things. And so that's something to do sooner rather than later, so the clock can start ticking. So talk to Medsend. Uh, they're here at the conference, and then there's also some links on AskAMissionary.com about the income-based repayment program. Yeah, as talk, well. talk to your lender. If and you and have talk to your lender. Okay. So we are going to um, pray.
pray, and then we're going to hang around a little bit in the room, a little bit in the hallway here. And so, Aaron, would you uh, would you pray to our closing prayer? Thank you, sister. Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time, Lord. I just thank you for all the folks that are here, Lord, as they are seeking out and being obedient to your call, Lord. I uh, I just pray that uh, their hearts have been open to um, to your word, and as we seek about. Um, giving you glory in countries all around the world. Lord, I just thank you for this time, and I pray that um, each person's questions here will be answered um, that you would have. And we lift all these things up in your son's name. Amen. Please join me in thanking our panelists.